Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past to the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm Kat and joining me today is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi. As promised for our Halloween episode, we put out on social media that we wanted people to call in with their ghost stories and email us their ghost stories. So what we did was picked, I think, five of our favorite. Is it five? Yeah, five. Five of our favorites. Um, We listened to them once sort of superficially so that we wanted to be able to have a reaction while we were recording the show. So we only kind of half listened to them. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into it and do our first one. It's from Calico. Ghost Town. Have you been there, Haley? No, I don't think I've actually been there, but... I wanted to tell our listeners a little bit about Calico. Calico is a town nestled in the Mojave Desert. It was once a bustling mining community. With around 500 silver mines in the area, it took just two years for the population of the town to reach 1,200 back in the 1880s. And by 1890, it was a home to just over 3,500 people. However, the dream ended as quickly as it began with the Silver Purchase Act of 1890. And it pushed silver prices down, and by 1900, Calico was almost completely abandoned. It has remained so ever since, despite several attempts to rejuvenate the place. However, just because the living have abandoned Calico, that doesn't mean that it's uninhabited. Over the years, Calico Ghost Town has been built up as a reputation as having one of the most haunted, being one of the most haunted places in California, if not the entire United States. So our first caller is Annabelle, and she's going to tell us the story of the Calico Ghost Town. Here we go. Ready, Haley? Mm-hmm. My name is Annabelle, and I just wanted to let you know about a story that happened to me in the town of Calico. I was a tour guide there, and we had um, several people on the tour. There was about 27 of them. And as we were walking up towards this one building, I looked over, and a woman had a very pale look on her face. And I asked her, are you okay? And she attempted to say hello to me or tell me what was going on when the man next to her said, oh my gosh, look at the woman in the window. And then she said, oh, good, I thought I was seeing a ghost. Well, only six people on that tour could actually see the woman in the window. They claimed that she was facing the street and moving. She was about um, from the waist up in the window, and people just kept trying to see this woman in the window and couldn't. Somebody walked up and took a picture of it and showed others on the tour the picture on their phone. They still couldn't see the woman in the window on the phone even. Some people could. I actually could see on the phone the woman in the window, but I couldn't see her in the window. So it was interesting to me that, um, you know, some ghosts will show themselves to select people, but not to everybody. And I know a lot of people want to see a ghost so desperately bad, especially if they're on a tour for a ghost, you know, walker, some kind of ghost tour. Sometimes if you're just so intense and trying to see a ghost, usually you won't. Um, That next day, somebody came up to me. We were back up in the town and asked how I slept. And I said, I slept fine. And she said that she couldn't sleep all night long. She just kept trying and trying and trying to see the 
the figure in the um, on the phone even. So it was just very interesting to me. And again, thank you. I will um, hopefully be able to tell you some other stories later. And again, my name is Annabelle, and it happened in the town of Calico. Thank you, Annabelle, for your for calling in and leaving that voicemail. It's a really good ghost story, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting that some people only saw it. Well, I find it more interesting. Well, I don't find it not interesting. Of course, it's interesting that some people could see it and some people couldn't. What I find more interesting is that some people couldn't see it on the phone either. Yeah, like, I couldn't see it at all. Yeah, the real life on the phone. But she could see it on the phone, but she couldn't see it in person. That makes sense to me. That makes that part makes sense to me. But yeah. why could some people not even see it on the phone? I don't know. That's so strange. Yeah. And I wonder if she has a copy of that picture. I, I want to call her back and ask her if she has it that we can use the picture. Yeah. She was saying a guest took it, right? Yeah, one of the people not on that the she tour. Did. Yeah. I'm curious if she has it. They invited us to Calico to do an investigation. Really? Yeah, I think that would be so amazing. I think just doing a uh, one of the tours, like the walks, the ghost walks or whatever, like what she's talking about doing what they did, I think that would even be interesting. I know. I don't know if they still do it. They might only do it at Halloween. Really? But it's billed as the Calico ghost town, so it must be something. They probably do it year-round. Yeah. I wonder how many of the buildings are original to the town that are still there. I'm not sure. I want to go. Yeah. You going to go? You ready for our next caller, Haley? Yes, I am. Okay, here we go. My name is Mike, and this is uh, my first encounter with uh, with a spirit that really kind of got my fascination in the the paranormal running. So it took place in a in a small town in northeast Pennsylvania called Sobiana. We lived uh, in a house in in Pennsylvania and decided to move out. There was just too much stuff that needed to be done to it. So we rented a house, and it was a it was an old house. It was on a uh, like a stacked stone foundation. It was a beautiful house. It had beautiful hardwood floors. Um, it was very ornate inside. It was it was a gorgeous house. It was a very large home that had broken been broken down into a three family house. So you had the entire first floor, which we had a larger apartment in the front, and then a very small apartment in the back. So you had some stairways that had been closed off, uh, some weird chutes and pockets and all sorts of strange things. Well, when we moved in, I first started hearing somebody calling my name. I'd hear someone say, Michael. And I honestly had assumed, we didn't know our neighbors, so I assumed that it was uh, (laughs) the front neighbor who had a attached staircase and a clothes-off, like, laundry chute. So I figured they just had, a, you know, a kid, their kid's name was probably Michael, too, so you get, you know, he got yelled at. <laughs> and that was that. Um, but you'd, still, you'd hear it often. You'd hear somebody call my name, and it was always weird, but I didn't really care. Um, one night, I do remember waking up, and in my bedroom, I, I had the largest bedroom in the house. I don't really know why, but sure. And there was someone sitting in my office chair, and it was slowly going back and forth. And it was the middle of the night, so I didn't give it much thought. I figured it was just my imagination. Um, and then I went back to sleep. And there would be, be a few times where it would just spin kind of by itself. Not fast, but like slowly go around. And you, you always chalk it up like, oh, I'm tired. It's not a big deal, whatever. Um, until one night, it was in August, I woke up and I 
looked at my alarm clock, and my alarm clock said 3.14 a.m. And after that, I remember I turned out into the room because my, my bed was against the wall. So I, I turned out and I looked into the room, and standing next to my bed was a woman. And it was a woman in a long white gown, like a white, long white nightgown with long brown hair, and I couldn't see her face. I couldn't, I couldn't make out what she looked like, any features, anything like that. But I did get this overwhelming sense of calm. And honestly, it, it sounds really crazy, but I think the overwhelming sense of calm creeped me out more so than it had I been scared. Because it's not something like you really felt, but I was, I was, I was pretty scared. <laughs> and I just said, oh, oh boy. And um, I just kind of sat there, and it seemed like it was 20 minutes, but I'm sure it was like four or five seconds. The woman turned around, put her back to me, and sat down on the edge of the bed. And I just kind of stared wide-eyed. And then she laid down and kind of curled up into a ball next to me. And I remember looking, and I could feel the bed depressed. So, like, it, it felt like somebody was actually there. It wasn't just my imagination. It wasn't some weird, like vapor i mean it was it there was weight to it and she uh she laid down and kind of curled up and at that point i said nope and i pulled up the sheet over my head and i got as close to the wall as i humanly could uh, if i could have crawled inside the wall i would have crawled inside the wall uh, but it was so weird though because you had this overwhelming sense of calm and okay but i was so terrified so that was my very first encounter with uh, with a spirit, and that really fuels my uh, my fascination with the, with the paranormal and cryptozoology and everything else that comes along with it. That was a good story. Yeah, I liked that one. I I'm shocked that he didn't run screaming from the room, though. I mean, what would make him just curl up in a a ball in the corner? Like I would I wouldn't be able to stay there if someone was sitting on my bed. I don't know. I think fear kind of raises you sometimes. I mean, did he just go back to sleep? Like, Well, and the, he was saying, like, when it first started happening, he was just like, oh, kind of. It's probably something else. I know. That's crazy. I'll go to sleep. It's fine. It's my imagination. I'm tired. Mike, um, he was so sweet of him to call because he tried really hard to help us get that story because he had tried to leave a voicemail and then it wouldn't work. So then he sent it to us a different way. And he is a podcaster who does a podcast called Monster and Friends. So, I mean, he is clearly fascinated by the paranormal and supernatural. It's a really good podcast. But I just, I, just telling that story as a 16-year-old, I think I would run screaming from the room. Like, I couldn't just roll over and go back to sleep. I, I kind of relate to that, because I could convince myself anything. <clears throat> that it wasn't happening. You could literally convince yourself that it wasn't happening? Yeah, probably. And then wake up in the morning and be like, was that a dream? Was that real? Yeah. And then just move on with my life, I think. I know. I wonder if he has a lot of stories. Maybe. I think it's interesting that he went into explaining that it was built on stack stone. Yeah. That maybe the, the stones were a conduit or something. Maybe, or he believes that maybe that. We'll have to ask him that. Yeah. I I kind of want to ask him if he has other stories from that house. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I would think that. Not just one thing happens. No, and that was a full body apparition. That wasn't just like something... Yeah. Random happening or something you might be able to debunk. He physically saw a woman standing next to his bed. There has yeah. to be other stories. Yeah, for sure. And it's in, did he say where it was? Where what? The house was? Yeah. Pennsylvania, right? Did he say that? He might have said it in the other recording that we heard. It's not like we can go investigate the house now. 
Like, we can go to Calico. We can't necessarily go to Pennsylvania and look up a house that he lived in many years ago. Yeah. Um, who's next? Who are we doing next? So, we're going to do one that was emails to us. They didn't leave a um, message, but they sent us an email about a woman who also does tours, like um, Annabelle said in our first story. And she does tours in an area where there's an old schoolhouse and, like, a big yard that, um, big empty park with just grass. And there's a story that way back when a young girl and a group of friends were playing hide-and-go-seek in front of the schoolhouse in that big open grass area. And she turned around to count to ten, and all the kids ran away and hid. And so when she's done counting to ten, she turns around to start looking for her friends, and she backs up a little bit. And she's, like, yelling for her friends, like, come out, come out, like, playing with her friends. And she fell into a gorge behind her and hit her head. And so the friends that were hiding heard her fall and ran over to her and she was injured and they carried her over to her house that she lives in with her mom or whatever. And they had gotten her there and the little girl died in her mom's arms from her injuries. Oh, no. And so now they say, everyone who does the tours, who works in the area, who does these ghost walks, say that a lot of kids see the girl in the schoolhouse with ponytail and a bow and they see her running around in the park and older women say that they when they're walking around they feel someone in their palm like a girl holding their hand really yeah and so they relate it everyone who works on the tours they relate it to that story and say that's the little girl who, who fell and hit her head. fell and she's holding her hand or she's running around or she's in the schoolhouse did she say what year this happened in or no she didn't specify did she say the little girl's name no I have more questions than I have answers right now. Yeah. Because that story fascinates me that she's saying that children see her and women feel her holding her hand, but yeah. nothing about like general public, like men and boys. And No. She, and she her. said, she the one, the woman who does the tours, she says she's seen a little girl. She's personally she seen She says her. that she's personally seen her, yeah. But That's mostly children see her and people feel like someone in their palm. I wonder if we can get a Lita, like a follow-up story from her. Yeah, maybe. Because I have a ton of questions. Yeah. That's in... Well, it's such a tragic story. I think anytime a child dies, you kind of get more into it. I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know how to explain it, but I feel... And the fact that children see her is... That fascinates me because they always say that children are more prone to seeing beyond the veil. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to say that, but... Children are not jaded to yeah. not believe in that. I'm curious where the story came from, though. Like, where did they get this backstory? Right. Like, like is it local folklore? Like, is it just what people... Yeah. Well, you know me. I want to go on Ancestry and find the little girl and find her mom and find right. out what happened. Yeah. That's it. Maybe we can follow up on this one. Yeah. We can try, at least. Yeah. Amazon is hiring near you. Start as soon as seven days. No resume or experience required. Earn an additional $2 an hour through April. Health and safety are a top priority with all our roles and sites. And Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Learn more or find a job now at Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. So our third ghost story is from Alan. So this one is a... A voice, voice recording. A voice recording. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to play that one for you next. And then we will discuss. Here is Alan. 
Hi, my name's Alan. I'm a medium, an empath and sensitive. Anyway, my wife and I moved into this apartment here in Utah, Cedar City. And uh, when we moved in, we knew the gentleman uh, that rented this apartment had died. And uh, we felt his spirit. In fact, we felt another spirit here also. But they were kind of benign. They didn't do much to us except for uh, flipping the light switches to our lights for the back and uh, front uh, porches. We would turn them on at night and sometimes they'd turn one off or during the daytime they'd turn them on. Well, anyway, I was in the kitchen one night and uh, I took some dishes out to the kitchen and I was going to put them on the counter and turn on the light since it was dark and I couldn't do it on the way in because my arms was full of dishes, so. so I put the items on the counter, and just as I turned around, the light in the kitchen turned on, <laughs> and the hair on my uh, back of my neck stood right up on end, and I had goosebumps. Uh, that's the first time that's ever happened in this house. It was, it was like the ghost of the old man was trying to help me out by turning the light on. Uh, anyway, uh, that's my ghost story for this place. I have much more, but they're longer than six minutes. Anyway, thank you very much. So, Alan, that was really sweet of him to call. He follows us on Instagram, and like he said, he is an empath and medium, and he's also an author. So, if you want to follow him, his name is Alan Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. He has, that's on Instagram. So you can follow him, A-L-A-N, right on Instagram. And I'm trying to find the name of one of his books. Uh, the Wave of, Waves of Time is one of his books. But that was really sweet of him to call because he saw our call on social media that we needed ghost stories. And he said that it, it made his hair stand on end. I think I would just be so grateful that they turned on the light for me. Alan's story reminds me a lot of our haunted house story. From when we were younger. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever mentioned on the podcast before that Ailey's my daughter. And we, I don't think that my paranormal interest started there. I think it was, my interest in paranormal investigation started there. I've always been fascinated by the paranormal and the unknown and UFOs and things like that. But I think that house is what, the investigation that we had there is what started me in wanting to be part of a paranormal research team. I think it was my first paranormal experience yeah and interest in it and you still believe that that house is haunted yeah but it's funny me and uh my brother remember it differently do all three of you remember it differently i don't think my older brother is really i don't think that he has any memory of it really no i um we're gonna i'm gonna let Haley tell the story and I'm, in fact i'm gonna let her brother come in and tell the story but we're gonna listen to one more caller and then we'll get to our our ghost story and I'm going to let them tell it because they, they have a different version of it than I probably do. And I think their version is probably more realistic being children at the time. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. Okay. So our next caller is Marty. So I'm going to go ahead and just play that. My name is Marty and this happened in Yermo, California 
in a location called Calatel. I was a tour guide for uh, ghost tours, and we had gone into the mine, my husband and I, and my husband had led the crowd in and was at the end of the mine, couldn't go any further, and I was at the very back. He had um, been talking about some of the history in the mines when he suggested that they turn and look down the mine. Then a couple in front of me, I did not turn around, but the couple in front of me said that they could not see me. I clearly could see them, but apparently something was blocking between myself and them. We were probably only a few feet away. I continued to just stand still, so I didn't want to disturb the spirit, but it was clear to me that they did not really want a woman in the mine. And I thought it was very interesting that these people I could see but could not see me. They said it was just saying like a, a figure standing there that didn't quite make out to them what it was. They had turned back around towards my husband and I stepped forward seeing if I could see this person as well or this figure and turned and looked and I couldn't see anything as well. So, um, Sometimes they just block you out to where, you know, they want to make themselves somewhat visible, maybe, um, or shield you from something that's going on. Very interesting, hard to explain. That, so that's that was our second caller from Calico. Yeah. Definitely want to spend some time there. Yeah, so she's saying that some kind of entity or shadow person or whatever was standing in front of her and the people in front of her couldn't see her because of the shadow. Yeah. And then she mentioned that, um, she didn't feel welcome in the mind. So maybe he was blocking her from getting further in. Yeah, maybe. I know that's interesting, but I, I want to go to the Calco mines and do an investigation in there. I would think that 1880s, they probably wouldn't want a woman in the mine. Right. Yeah. And I would think that mines are very haunted. There was a lot of stuff that went down in mines. Yeah, I I yeah. don't know I, I don't know the whole history of Calico Ghost Town. What I would like to do is do an investigation there and do an entire show. Maybe even record the show over there. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling Marty. Um it was so helpful for them to to call and leave us some messages from the Calico Ghost Town. Yeah. And it is it is open to the public. So if anybody does want to go, this is probably a great time of year to go when it's not as hot in the desert. Yeah. Are you ready to tell your story? You are? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to step away, and I'm going to let Cameron take over. Cameron and Haley are going to tell the story of our haunted house, and it's going to be hard for me not to correct them, but I want them to tell the story from their version, from a child's version, not from an adult's version of when it was happening. Hey, Cameron. What's up? So Cameron is my younger brother. He's only um, like a year, not even a year and a half. Months. 14, 14 months. months. Um, so we grew up in a um, cul-de-sac neighborhood and we rented the house on the corner and yeah and in the cul-de-sac deep into the cul-de-sac was um, an elderly man an elderly woman who lived there with their granddaughter who was special needs and they kind of took care of her but the neighbors also took care of the man and the woman because they were elderly and they couldn't do like common household chores like mow the lawn and whatever and that's my memory of that family yours too yeah yeah most definitely so mostly the older man reminded me of our grandpa 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I just remember our neighbors taking care of them a lot. Yeah, a lot. Because they were very old. Yeah. So while we lived in the corner house, the woman that lived at the end of the street in the house of the elderly man had died in the house. Yeah, in the house. Yeah. And um, probably less than six months, not even a year after the older man also passed away. Yeah. Inside the house. So both of them passed away in the house. Yeah. And then, so the house was empty. The granddaughter went and lived with somebody else and the house went for sale. Yeah. And we were renting at the time. So my parents made the decision to buy the house in the cul-de-sac. So we moved down to that house. And I don't remember, and maybe it's because we were young. I don't even actually remember exactly how old we were. Maybe eight and seven. No, not even. You don't think so? Four or five, five and six, maybe. Young. So... I don't remember it ever being a conversation like, oh, that's weird. They died in the house. Let's move in. But we moved in. And while we were there, and we remember this differently because I was never afraid of the house or the hauntings in quotations. As soon as the sun went down, it got scary. Yeah. So he is a bigger chicken than I am. Most definitely. When it comes to this kind of stuff. but I'm more empathic. Sure. So he... You hated the hallway. The hallway was the worst, especially at night, looking down the hallway into our living room. So our setup was, you would come from um, our main living room, you'd walk down the hall, it was Haley's room on the left, continue down the hall to the end, and it was mine and my brother's room on the left, my parents' room on the right, and then the bathroom was literally connecting. Pretty much, it was just cornered up to our door, so the bathroom door opened up, and our door opened up the opposite way to make like a, just this easy pathway into the bathroom. And instead, we were so scared of the hallway, so instead of walking... As in we, you mean just you? No, me and Josh. Really? Both of us, yeah. Mm. So we would, instead of walking the one step it took to get to the bathroom, literally one step, not even a full step, half a step into the bathroom, we would lean in, turn on the light in our room, turn on the light in the bathroom, and jump from our bedroom into the bathroom. We wouldn't even touch the hallway floor. Because for some reason, walking into the hallway just gave us a weird feeling like someone was watching us or someone was like right behind us. Like it wasn't just someone watching from a distance. It felt like someone was like breathing down your neck almost. Yeah, I actually do kind of remember you guys talking about that. And I remember yeah. thinking it was so crazy because I was like, there, it's, there's nothing here. And if there is, it's not scary. Like I remember thinking you guys were such weirdos because yeah. I was never, ever afraid of anything that was in the house. Like oh, you felt like someone was watching you, but I was never. Yeah. No, you always, daytime, nighttime, doesn't matter. You always felt if you were near or walking down the hallway, you always felt like someone was there watching you. And do you remember our dog would always bark in the yeah. hallway, bark in the, we'd be sitting on the couch yeah. watching TV and she would just randomly bark, bark at. in the hallway, yeah. Or the random smells of cigarette smoke. So the older couple that actually lived there, they were much older, probably in their 80s when they passed away, somewhere near there. And they smoked inside the house constantly. And when we moved in, the whole house got repainted. Everything got washed. So when we moved in, it didn't smell like cigarettes at all. But occasionally, from the end of the hallway, you just, it would just smell like a freshly lit cigarette. Just would just waft down the hallway randomly. Yeah, I know that. I have no idea where that was coming from, but I assume maybe from them. Yeah. So our parents had an investigation team coming in and investigate the house, and you weren't here for that. You weren't no, there. Absolutely not. I no. Would not be there for that. No. no so the chicken that he is left. And before the investigation team had came, I had an incident with my cell phone and my phone was on the desk in my room. It was a corner desk that backed into the corner and my aunt was moving stuff in my room and had hit my desk and my phone hit the wall and then hit the floor behind my desk. And I was like, oh no, my phone and 
we moved the desk out and my phone was nowhere to be found. And I was like, what? The both of us were just like dumbfounded. We're like, we heard the phone hit the wall, hit the floor. Like my phone is back here. And it was crazy. We couldn't find it. We pulled my desk all the way out. It wasn't in any of the boxes that were around. It was like nowhere to be found. She ended up moving out. She was, had been staying with us at the time and the phone was never in any of her stuff. So it was just gone. And I, we kind of, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but I mean, it was a flip phone. You only use phones to make phone calls. I was young. So like whatever you lost a phone. Early 2000s. Yeah. We moved on with our lives and never really thought about it again. So when this investigation team came, they did their investigation and had all their equipment and whatever. And I remember them being like, Haley, let's go sit in your room. Like, let's see if we can get someone to talk to us or whatever. So we went and we sat in my room on my bed and I was with one of the investigators and she was talking and, and I, I don't, and this is where I get confused because I don't think that they just came up with a name on their own because I don't believe that that's how it happened. I think my parents gave them some background info and the man's name was Mr. Lee, Mr. And Mrs. Lee is who owned the house. And so she had addressed him like, Mr. Lee, are you here? Well, whatever. And doing the normal EVP thing. And she had asked, I remember her asking, Mr. Lee, did you take Haley's phone? And I just remember thinking that it was so funny because I never thought of it that way. But my phone literally disappeared. Yeah. Like it was like. Like we changed rooms. That's yeah, a, we that's switched room. rooms we switched at one rooms point. And I cut my foot on the floor next to where you would have lost it. We yeah. moved everything. Like, yeah, so I never, never from, found my phone. Yeah. So it was just completely gone. And I remember her asking that, thinking that was funny. But then I remember her, I think one, one of the um, ladies that was with the team was a medium. Yeah. And she had told me that he was a protector of the house yeah. and looked over all of us, but that she felt that he felt that he had some kind of connection with me, similar to his, his granddaughter, yeah. who lived there with them. Yeah. So she said that he used to sit at the end of my bed and, like, watch over me and make sure I went to sleep yeah. and that I was fine. And I never – I mean, I always had the feelings of, like, being washed, but, like, I, I've never – never felt uncomfortable. I was never specifically, like, there's a man sitting yeah. at the bottom of my bed. And I remember I remember Mr. Lee more than his wife. He, I remember him just because he reminded me so much of my own grandfather. But his wife – what I remember of his wife is she wasn't the nicest of ladies and any encounter I had with her wasn't that great. And maybe because Mr. Lee was busy watching you at night, his wife had full reign, and that's why it was so scary at night. Terrorized yeah, you? <laughs> I feel like she did, honestly. Or maybe Mr. Lee just had a soft spot for girls because at night it was it felt like someone was didn't want you there. Felt, I kind of remember you saying something yeah. about, like, someone with a chain or something, though. I don't, I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No. It but was so I long ago. smoke and just the, the smell of cigarette smoke always tripped me out. I would come from nowhere, everyone would be asleep, and I'd just smell cigarettes coming from the, the living room. Air conditioning's on, doors all closed up, and it's just weird. I just think it's crazy that we have such different feelings of the house. I was yeah. never afraid. Yeah, yeah. So after the investigators, things, whatever, ended, though, did you feel differently, or it was still scary for you? Well, no, I, I felt like Mr. Lee might have, like, especially after we talked about it, and when we moved out and everything, I felt like Mr. Lee was probably there just watching over us. It never felt, and even in the time, it never felt like someone was wanted harm done to you. It just felt like they didn't want you there more than anything. Yeah. I guess I didn't feel that way. And not so much during the day. During the day, it just felt like someone was watching you. But at night, it felt like someone was, like, trying to get you out the door. And when we moved, it felt different. 
Yeah, so we moved out of that house years later. We were yeah, there for a while. Years later, seven years almost. Yeah, so um, we ended up moving out of that house, and I remember moving into our new house, and I was sitting on the couch with mom. Yeah. And she goes, this house is quiet. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it is quiet. It was weird that we ha- felt, felt so, so different. different. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm such a chicken, but I always feel, wherever we go, I always feel like there's some something there. But I am just a big chicken, too. So Pretty too big or whatever. of a chicken to actually deal with it. Ghosts are real people. It's scary. <laughs> They'll hurt you. Watch out. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing. I love that my kids have different... You Not only are you different from each other, but you're different from our experiences. Yeah. Because do you remember how we ended up having the paranormal team there? No. I don't remember it leading up to it, no. We were at dinner. All five of us were at dinner. And Cameron had to go to the bathroom or something. And he kept putting it off. And I'm like, why are you not going to the bathroom? Just go to the bathroom. Like, we'll wait dinner for you. And he's like, I don't want to go down the hallway. And I was like, what? And Josh answered for him and said he's scared of the hallway. And I was like, what? What are you? why are you scared of the hallway? And then you piped in and said, because someone's watching us in the hallway. And your dad was like, wait, 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 wait. So we never told you guys before. No, that. you not, not until that. We were having mm-hmm. dinner one night. And you all piped in and you weren't. Acting like you were scared, you were just saying... Just I mean, other than Cameron wouldn't go to the bathroom. Other than the fact that Cameron wouldn't go to the bathroom. And I think your dad got up and, and turned on the light for him and stood in the hallway while he went to the bathroom. But yeah. it, that's what started the conversation was that we were all at dinner and and you guys all piped in and we're talking about being afraid of the hallway. And and I thought your dad was going to just kind of hush you guys like, no, it's nothing and don't make a big deal about it. Yeah. And your dad, the polar opposite that I would have expected... Was like, hey, maybe we should have something done if the kids really think something's going on. And I said, well, do you think anything's going on? And he's and he said that he had lights turn on and off on him. That yeah. he and do you now do you remember kind the conversation? Of. It was so long ago. If you talk about it, memories <laughs> come back. But it was so long ago. Yeah, because your dad admitted at that dinner that that he felt weird sometimes and that he had lights going on and off. That's why the Ellen story reminded me of it. Yeah, was because your dad said. Yeah, I've I've been in like walking towards the bathroom and the light turns on before I get there. Mm. And I was like, why is this so centered around the bathroom? I don't understand. I don't know. And ironically, and I don't know if you even know this now, I'm gonna kinda break it to you and Cameron can still hear me. He died in the bathroom. Really? You didn't know that, did you? No. No, he died in the bathroom. That's where he was the nine one one, the neighbor went to check on him and he wasn't answering the door. And so she got her key, went in there, and found him in the bathroom. No, I don't think I ever that. That bathroom. You didn't know that? Mm-mm. I wonder if you can hear Cameron if I ask him. Cameron, did you know that? No, I have no idea. That's terrifying. That <laughs> makes a lot of sense, though. But it, yeah, and it's so weird that I'm telling you that now because yeah. you guys were. I mean, Until I heard you guys tell that story just now, recording this episode. And I, we've talked about it for years. We've always talked about our, our house. Uh, we called it our tango house. I've never heard you talk to each other about it. Like, we've all been in conversations about it. Not since we were very young. Yeah, I've yeah. never sat outside of it like I just did. Yeah. And hear you guys talk about that story. Mm-hmm. And as you were telling the story and talking endlessly about him and Josh jumping across the hallway to the bathroom and stuff, it hit me then that I don't, I didn't know if you guys knew that he died in that bathroom. Mm-mm. He did. No. I probably never would have used that bathroom <laughs> if I did. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear Cameron, but he just said he probably never would have used that bathroom had he known that. But we did have the house blessed. When we moved, uh, the first thing we did when we first moved in was we had the house blessed because we did know that they had both passed away. But we were, I had always felt that we were friendly with Mr. Lee and um, 
the man who was handling the estate for the granddaughter, because all the money from the sale of the house was going to the granddaughter for her her care, because she was disabled. I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah. She lived with the grandparents because she the grandparents took care of her. And she was about your age yeah. when we moved in there. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been over backwards for us to get that house. Like, they didn't even really put on the market. Once I had walked down there and told him that I wanted to buy the house, he was like, okay, I'm not even going to put it on the market. Like, let's just get you guys approved and get you in the house. And it was sort of our dream house. I mean, it it was horrible. We It took us a month before we could move in because your dad had to replace all the, like Cameron Everything. had mentioned. Yeah. They had smoked in the house for, since they were the first owner on the street. When their house, when that house was built, it was the only house on the street. And they had smoked for a good 30 years in that house. And so you couldn't just wash the walls. We had to replace drywall in most of the house. Yeah. And then have it taped and painted and everything else. Yeah. But that is our... It's our family ghost story. That's our ghost story. And it's probably what pretty much preempted our interest in the paranormal. Because I think that we're all still convinced that that was Mr. Lee. Yeah. Like there was no... Yeah. He just didn't move on. And it didn't feel residual. It felt like he just stayed. He didn't go on. And ironically, I don't think he's there anymore. We moved into the new house. The new house felt very empty, like just an empty. It was weird, a totally different feeling from the Tango house. And he, I went back and asked the owners um, when we were visiting our neighbors because we didn't, we didn't move that far and no. we were still friends with all the neighbors. Yeah. I asked the new owners if they thought it was haunted and they thought I was crazy. Yeah. So I think, honestly, quite frankly, his connection to that house was you, was, was watching over. I remember the investigators thinking that. Yeah, I think I do. I believe that now because I believe once we left, he left too. Yeah. And hopefully, RIP, Mr. Lee, (laughs) I hope that you are at peace now. It's believed that about 45% of Americans believe in ghosts. Like the story is told today, some things can't be explained in any other way. Maybe it's the thrill of the unknown, or maybe it's a desire to believe that there is more after death. Either way, who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. Be sure to follow and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode. Until next time, I'm Kat. And remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost. Amazon is hiring near you. Start as soon as seven days. No resume or experience required. Earn an additional $2 an hour through April. Health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites. Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Learn more or find a job now at Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.